Good morning, church family. Pray that you are all well as we not only come to the end today of Mark chapter 14, but really now down the home stretch of the gospel of Mark as a whole. As following today, we will spend the next four weeks in Mark chapter 15 and then complete our study of the gospel on, of Mark on August 6th when we will look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Nevertheless, as for today, we will again be in Mark chapter 14 this morning, church, looking specifically at verses 66 through 72, or when Peter denies Jesus Christ, which takes place in the text following Jesus Christ being arrested in the garden of Gethsemane by the temple guards and the Roman soldiers who were sent there by the Sanhedrin, and then being abandoned, forsaken, and left all alone in the hands of his captors. And then as we saw last week in John chapter 18, being taken, in John chapter 18, after he was taken to a former high priest, a man by the name of Annas, that Jesus Christ then was taken to the house or to the palace of the current high priest, a man by the name of Caiaphas. And seemingly before the other 70 council members of the Sanhedrin as well, in essence, for his trial at this time. However, the chief priest and the Sanhedrin, for they were not seeking the truth here, church, nor were they seeking the facts here, church, nor were they seeking justice or accuracy or honesty or trying to figure out if Jesus Christ really was guilty or not guilty here, church. But instead, as we see in verse 55, for the chief priest and the Sanhedrin, for they were seeking testimony against Jesus Christ in order to put him to death here, church. However, as we go on to see in verse 55, for they found none. Since verse 56, many bore false witness against Jesus Christ, but their testimony did not agree. And thus following then all these people, as verses 56 through 58 notes, giving their false and their inconsistent testimonies against Jesus Christ, which did not agree with each other, nor were in harmony with each other. For the high priest of the Sanhedrin, then Caiaphas, he stood up in their midst, or stood up before them all, and asked Jesus, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? Only for Jesus then to remain silent. To which Caiaphas then asked Jesus Christ in verse 61, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? In essence, asking him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of God? And it's here, church, where Jesus breaks his silence and says back to Caiaphas then in verse 62, I am and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Alluding here, church, not only to Psalm 110, verse 1, but also to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And essentially saying here, as one commentator put it, For although I, Jesus Christ, am standing before you at this time, for there is coming a day when you will stand before me in judgment. To which, after hearing all this, the high priest Caiaphas then, verse 63, tore his garments 
and said, What further witnesses do we need? Verse 64, For you have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? To which they all then, church, the council of the Sanhedrin here, condemned Jesus Christ as deserving death. And then as we go on to see in verse 65, that some of the members of the Sanhedrin began to spit on Jesus Christ and to strike Jesus Christ and to say to Jesus Christ, prophesy only for the temple guards then, verse 65, to receive Jesus Christ with blows. Which takes us now, church, to our thesis statement this morning or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, even though we have been called not to sin, remember, if we confess our sins, that our God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Again, our thesis statement this morning is this. Christian, even though we have been called not to sin, remember, if we confess our sins, that our God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And thus at this time, let's open our Bibles up this morning, church, to Mark chapter 14, verses 66 through 72. And if you are joining us today, and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab and even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are all located in the chairs in front of you, as our gift to you this morning. And to turn that brand new Bible of yours to page 852, and to join us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, we'll be in Mark chapter 14 this morning, church. And we'll be looking specifically at verses 66 through 72. Where John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. And again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down. And wept. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, that we approach this text this morning with humility and with meekness. 
Lord, not getting into our minds and our hearts this morning, this idea that how could Peter deny Jesus, but Lord, seeing ourselves in Peter, for we would do the very same thing. And Lord, it is a question that we can ask ourselves this morning then, for when we deny Jesus, when we sin against Jesus and don't listen to the commandments of Jesus, for what do we do with our grief? What do we do with our sin? And Father, let us be comforted by the fact this morning that we have an advocate with the Father and that his name is Christ Jesus, the righteous, the one who died for our sins, is the propitiation for our sins, the wrath-appeasing sacrifice for our sins so that we can be forgiven. Lord, let us not approach this text with a haughty spirit this morning. Let us be humble. Let us be in all of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who restores, reconciles, and forgives sinners like Peter, like us. Father, I pray that you help my lisping and stammering tongue this morning. Lord, help me to clearly articulate your word, your perfect and infallible word to these dear people. I pray that they be built up by it, that they be strengthened by it, and that through it they run to you quicker than never before to confess their sins, knowing that you will forgive them of their sins. Lord, we pray that our entire service this morning is glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one, Christian, watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. Christian, watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. Verses 66 through 70. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. And again he denied it. And after a little while... The bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. So following all of Jesus' disciples in verse 50, leaving him and fleeing from him upon his arrest, and Simon Peter then, as we saw last week in verse 54, following Jesus Christ at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire, that seemingly while Jesus' aforementioned trial was all taking place in the house or in the palace of the high priest Caiaphas, that Simon Peter, who again now was located in the courtyard of the high priest and warming himself by the fire, that he was also during this time facing some questions here as well. And I say that because, as we see in verse 66, 
that as Peter was below in the courtyard, which seemingly indicates here, church, that Jesus' trial took place in an upper room somewhere, in the house or in the palace of Caiaphas, that, verse 66, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. This servant girl, likely being the same servant girl who let Peter into the courtyard as the doorkeeper, as John chapter 18, verse 16 notes. Nevertheless, verse 67, and seeing Peter warming himself by the fire, she, the servant girl here, looked at him and said that you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. And that somehow, in some way, this servant girl here, church, recognized Simon Peter, possibly from seeing Peter with Jesus Christ that week in the temple. Nevertheless, upon this servant girl, seeing Simon Peter, warming himself by the fire, and saying to him that you also were with the Nazarene Jesus, for Simon Peter then, mind you, church, the one who said to Jesus Christ back in Mark chapter 14, verse 29, that even though they all fall away, for I, Simon Peter, will not. And who also said in Mark chapter 14, verse 31, that even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. For Simon Peter here, for he doesn't do any of that church. And that Simon Peter here doesn't say to the servant girl that yes, I was with the Nazarene Jesus, or that yes, I am a disciple of the Nazarene Jesus, or that yes, I am a follower of the Nazarene Jesus, and will never, ever, ever deny this Nazarene name, Jesus. But instead, Simon Peter here, verse 68, he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. Or as James Edwards writes, I neither know him nor have any idea what you mean. And that Peter's denial here of Jesus Christ was a total denial, both in theory and in practice. To which Simon Peter then, in verse 68, went into the gateway, likely referring here to the covered passageway or archway that would have led back into the street. Only for the rooster then, church, verse 68, to crow. And thus, in light of this Rooster crowing here, for I just want to remind you all at this time, the words of Jesus Christ to Simon Peter back in Mark chapter 14, verse 30, when he said, truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Nevertheless, as we go on to see in verse 69, for the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders that this man is one of them, and that the same servant girl who just said to Simon Peter in verse 67 that you also were with the Nazarene Jesus, now as we see here in verse 69, that when she seemingly saw Simon Peter in the gateway, that she begins again to say to the bystanders or to those who were standing around her, those likely being other servants and guards of the high priest, that this man is one of them, one of them referring here, church, to the disciples of Jesus, or to part of the group that followed Jesus, to which Simon Peter then again does not take this opportunity here to boldly confess 
before this servant girl and the bystanders that I am one of them, a follower of Jesus, and will never, ever, ever deny this man named Jesus. But instead, as we go on to see in verse 70, that Simon Peter once again denied it. And that we now have Simon Peter here for a second time in the text church denying Jesus Christ. To which David Garland Church For he wrote this. For three times Simon Peter did not heed Jesus' urgent appeal to watch, to stay awake, and to pray. And three times then, as we will go on to see, Simon Peter denied Jesus Christ. For the sin of boastful rivalry led Peter to think that he was different than the other disciples. For even though they all fall away, for I, Simon Peter, will not. For he relied on his own strength and fell further than these other disciples. And the sin of spiritual complacency, well, that led to Peter not watching, just as his Lord Jesus Christ commanded him to do. And thus, practically speaking here, For let us all then, brother Christian, sister Christian, be sure to watch and to pray. So that, as we saw earlier, back in Mark chapter 14, verse 38, that we do not enter into temptation. Not enter into temptation being, as one commentator put it, that we resist the beginnings or the things that lead us into a state where we become vulnerable to be tempted and that we put limits in our lives to keep us from the entrances of places or ideas that could ultimately cause us to sin. And thus, in light of that again, for let us all be sure then, brother Christian, sister Christian, to watch and to pray. To watch as in to stay awake, to be on guard against, and to be spiritually alert of certain environments that could lead you into idolatry and certain Netflix series that could lead you into sexual immorality and certain conversations that could lead you into vulgarity, certain social media posts that could lead you into quarreling, certain Instagram accounts that could lead you into jealousy, and certain get-togethers with certain people that could lead you into fits of anger and bad-mouthing. And not only that, Christian, but to also then faithfully and urgently pray to your God, asking him that you do not enter into temptation or come into temptation, or as other commentators put it, become engulfed by or trapped by that of temptation. In essence, brother Christian, sister Christian, my encouragement to you all here this morning is this. That day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, to watch out for, to be on guard against, and to pray, and to pray, and to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, also that you can obediently submit yourself to the will of the Father. Remain faithful and resist entering into any of the temptations of the evil one that may ultimately come your way, also that none of them, Christian, overcome you or cause you to sin. Which brings us to point number two. 
Christian, even when you do sin, do not lose heart, but instead remember that you have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous. Christian, even when you do sin, do not lose heart, but instead remember that you have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous. Verses 70 through 72. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. So following Simon Peter denying Jesus Christ for a second time in verse 70, church, as we go on to see then in verse 70, that after a little while, the bystanders again said to Simon Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, which they seemingly believed here that Peter was a Galilean because, as Matthew chapter 26, verse 73 puts it, his accent betrayed him or gave him away. To which Simon Peter then, instead of just finally here acknowledging that he was indeed one of them, i.e. part of the group that followed Jesus Christ, for Simon Peter instead, as we go on to see in verse 71, began to invoke a curse on himself. A modern example of this being, as one commentator put it, that if I am lying, may God strike me dead. And not only that, church, but he, Simon Peter, also then, verse 71, swore and took an oath here that he did not know this man named Jesus of whom they spoke, to which immediately then, verse 72, the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Words that Jesus Christ said to Simon Peter back in Mark chapter 14, verse 30, again, right after Simon Peter boldly and overconfidently said to Jesus Christ that although they all fall away, for I, Simon Peter, will not. To which Simon Peter then, after remembering those words of Jesus Christ, for he then, verse 72, broke down and wept. Or as Matthew 26, verse 75 puts it, went out and wept bitterly. And that he was overwhelmed with remorse here, church, and guilt here, church, and sorrow here, church, to the point that he's just weeping bitterly over denying Jesus Christ, not once, not twice, but instead three times here, church. And yet, if we are being honest with ourselves this morning, church, for we have all been in a similar position as Simon Peter here as well, have we not? when we had a chance to boldly confess Jesus Christ before an unbelieving co-worker of ours, only to then cower in their midst and to mock the ways of Jesus Christ instead. 
or when we had a chance to sacrificially love a neighbor like Jesus Christ, only to then become complacent for just a millisecond and to begin to gossip about them instead. Or when we had a chance to finally control our mouths and our tongues and our emotions before our dear children and to walk in the ways of Jesus Christ, only to then give in to the temptation of unrighteous anger and to lose our ever-loving minds right before them instead. And though as we walk away from those conversations, church, and from those situations, church, and begin to dwell on and to think about and to replay all those circumstances, church, in our very minds for, oh, how we too at times begin to feel sorrowful and regretful and remorseful over our sin to the point that we just want to curl up into a ball, make it all go away, and begin to mourn and to mourn and to mourn. And yet in those moments, brother Christian, sister Christian, and trust me, I have been there, unable to eat because of my sin, unable to sleep because of my sin, unable to think, to work, to concentrate, and just feeling absolutely sick to my stomach over my sin. For if there is an initial piece of encouragement that I give to myself in those moments, and that I can give to each and every one of you here today as well, for it is this. For when you are filled with grief, brother Christian, and guilt, sister Christian, and remorse, and sorrow, and regret, and are bitterly weeping over a sin that you committed, Christian, for just remember that your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for he came into this world, Christian, not to call the righteous, nor to call those who think that they are righteous, but instead, he, Jesus Christ, he came into this world to call sinners, Christian, and to forgive them, to cleanse them, and to save them from each and every one of their sins. And thus, as we begin to close this morning, church, for I'd like to do so with the non-Christian who is here first, and to share with you at this time, non-Christian, the good news, the gospel news, and the message that can save you, non-Christian, from each and every one of your sins. And it's the message, non-Christian, that Jesus Christ came into this world as truly God, and as truly man, and initially lived a life here on earth that was free from any kind of sin. And that the life that Jesus Christ lived, while he lived and dwelt among us, was a life that was holy and just and righteous and good, free from any kinds of sin or iniquity, transgressions, or unrighteous deeds. And thus because of that, he, Jesus Christ then, fulfilled the law of God perfectly and completely and without any kind of offense all for the very children of God. However, that was not all, non-Christian, that this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, accomplished while he lived and dwelt among us. And I say that because being that the wage of sin or the cost of sin is that of death, Romans 6, 23, for he, Jesus Christ, then also willingly gave up his own life as a ransom for many by being crucified and nailed to, killed and crushed on a cross at Calvary in our place and as our very substitute, even though he himself never sinned. And in doing so, satisfied the justice of our holy God. 
and appease that non-Christian, the wrath of our holy God, all toward his sinful children as well. And yet for that was not the end of Jesus Christ here, non-Christian. And I say that because three days later than this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, for he didn't stay dead or buried in some grave, but instead three days later, since sin and death had absolutely no power or claim over him, for he, Jesus Christ then, he rose from the dead. And he defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. For let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can close you then in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you will be forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who was here today, For as we saw in the text this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, the apostle Peter, he denied Jesus Christ not one time, not two times, but instead that of three times. And after hearing the rooster crow for a second time, for the apostle Peter then remembered how Jesus Christ had told him that before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times only to then break down and to weep, or as Matthew 26, verse 75 puts it, to weep bitterly. And thus, in light of all that, for I want to share with you all at this time a story, a story that numerous authors have shared as well, church, about the Archbishop of Canterbury, a man by the name of Thomas Cranmer during the reign of Bloody Mary, the Queen of England, during the 16th century, Cranmer had become repulsive to her persecuting spirit. So Bloody Mary then had some individuals who by flattery and false promises tried to persuade Thomas Cranmer to renounce his faith. And Cranmer was indeed overcome and subscribed to the heirs of the Church of Rome. However, soon thereafter, his conscience struck him. And of this, he soon repented and took his former position, which again brought him the wrath of Bloody Mary. Nevertheless, when brought to the stake for his execution, he stretched out his hand, the very same hand that made the unhappy signature whereby he previously recanted of his Protestantism or faith, And he held it in the flames until it was consumed, only then to say, that unworthy hand. And then relying on the Lord, he suffered martyrdom and entered into his eternal reward. And thus, in terms of our text today here, church, as one commentator put it, 
The Apostle Peter is frank and transparent in his testimony about his failures. And he can do so because he had received and welcomed the unmerited and unchanging mercy of Jesus Christ. And that following his threefold denial of Jesus Christ, as the Apostle John recounts, that the resurrected Jesus Christ restored and recommissioned Peter then by the means of a threefold affirmation in John chapter 21. And thus, unlike the fundamental betrayal of Judas Iscariot, Peter falters here on account of temporary fear and self-preservation. And he deeply regretted his denial and repented of it. To which Jesus Christ then in his mercy restored Peter. And Peter then emerged as an apostolic spokesman of the early church. And thus contemporary followers of Jesus Christ can be encouraged then by the gracious way in which Jesus dealt with Peter following his denial. And that although it is true that Jesus' followers will stumble and deny him and sin, that Jesus Christ still nevertheless offers the precious gift of repentance and restores in forgiveness and reconciliation. And thus, brother Christian, sister Christian, for let us then never fail to forget or to lose sight of or to ever, ever, ever stop believing as 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 so clearly articulates that if we confess our sins, that our God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And thus, very practically speaking here, Christian. For when you then are indeed walking through those tough times, when you are feeling convicted of your sin and sorrowful over your sin and regretful and remorseful and guilty and weeping bitterly over your sin, for do not in those moments, Christian, turn to the bottle in order to deal with the pain of your sin. Or turn to pornography in order to deal with the pain of your sin. Or turn to gluttony or idolatry or foolishness or any kind of filthiness in order to deal with the pain of your sin. But instead, let that conviction and regret and remorse and all those tears of yours, Christian, drive you and compel you and cause you to repent of that sin. Since, brother Christian, sister Christian, those who conceal their trespasses, for they will not prosper, but those who confess and forsake them, for they will receive mercy. Therefore, do not let yourself believe then, brother Christian, sister Christian, the lies of the devil that are out there today, that some of those sins of yours are just too big and too egregious and despicable and disgusting to ever be truly forgiven by your most holy God. And to then, because of that, seek to conceal more of your sins from your God. And to begin to distance yourself from your God. And to begin to believe that your God, Christian, no longer desires for you to walk in the good works that he has already prepared for you. But instead, cling to the fact, Christian, as Romans chapter 8, verse 1 so profoundly puts it, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. And to then, Christian, let that conviction of sin, that sorrow over sin, and that weeping and mourning and regret and remorse over your sin not 
cripple you, Christian, nor keep you from pursuing your God, Christian, but instead let it cause you to draw near to your God, Christian, and to confess your sins, forsake your sins, repent of your sins, and to ask your most holy and merciful God to forgive you of your sins. Since if you confess your sins, Christian, your God will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And oh, what joy, what freedom, and what peace there is now and forevermore in knowing and resting in that eternal truth. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body, Lord, that day by day by day, that we seek to stay awake, to be on guard against, and to keep watch for any temptations that may ultimately come our way, and to continue to pray, and to pray, and to pray that we do not enter any of these temptations. And yet when we do sin, for let us remember, Father, that all is not lost, but that instead we have an advocate with you, Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous, the one who has already paid the price for each and every one of our sins. And thus, when we do sin, Father, for we do not need to try to hide those sins from you or to conceal those sins from you, but instead to seek to quickly repent of those sins before you. Since we know that if we repent of our sins, that you, God, will be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Therefore, let the conviction of our sins and the sorrow that we may feel over our sins not drive us away from you, Father, but instead let them drive us to you, the one who is faithful and merciful and just and who sent his own son, Jesus Christ, into this world in order to save sinners from their very sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, let this eternal truth be an eternal balm to our souls this morning. Lord, as I know, so many people here who are disgusted by their sins, weep over their sins, continue to think about sins that they committed last week, a month ago, a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, embarrassed by those sins, still struggling to sleep at night over those sins. Father, let them know that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord that Jesus Christ died for those sins, that he cleanses his people of all of their sins. Thus we can run boldly and confidently to the throne of grace after each and every one of our sins, knowing that the price has already been paid by Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for the gift of conviction. We thank you that the Spirit works in us drives us to our knees, mourning and lamenting and hating the sins that we have committed. But at the same time, Father, let us not be willing to conceal those sins from you, since you, Father, see all things. But instead, let us be quick to repent, knowing that you, Father, are merciful and just and gracious, a forgiving God who gave his own Son, Jesus Christ, up for us, so that we can be forgiven now and forevermore for each and every one of our sins.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The gospel has been preached. That was heavy. Uh, we praise God for his, his goodness, um, his grace, his amazing grace. And as we take communion, this is a time where we come and proclaim the Lord's death. As this world, we look at the world as he was preaching. I'm thinking about the world as they parade and proclaim sin and death and promote it and push it in our faces. All the things that lead to death and destruction. We have this great hope through Jesus Christ, and we can declare and publicly proclaim in an unashamed manner of this great hope that we have through our Savior, Jesus Christ. So praise God for that, right? So we have communion here at Faith Bible Fellowship. Once again, this is where we come to the Lord's table, um, and it's a great privilege as we proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of our glorious king, we break bread and drink of the cup as Jesus and the apostles did, which was the very same night he was betrayed. And he stayed faithful and will later even humble himself and become an obedient to death, even death on a cross. We're acknowledging God displaying his great love for us and sending our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who paid it all for us by dying the death that we deserved. So we take some time to meditate on this and and come together because God has given us this living hope once again through Jesus Christ, allowing us access back to the Father. And Jesus, he didn't stay on the cross, but he rose from the grave on the third day as well. So we do this in remembrance of him who saved us. We hear Faith Bible, we practice open communion. Um, So if you're a visitor here today and you're a believer in Christ, Um, We're not some exclusive clique, so please join us in communion this morning as your family as well. Also, if you're not a believer and you're here today, we thank you for coming as well. We know that it's it's not an accident or a coincidence that you're here because that's not how our holy God operates. He does everything in order, so you're here on purpose. And we pray that you heard the gospel as it was presented clearly, and we pray that today will be the day of salvation. We would love to build with you if you have any questions as well, but we would ask that you would abstain from joining us this morning as this communion is intended for us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Also, we would ask that you would abstain if you're a professing believer, a professing believer, yet you're holding on to and finding joy and satisfaction in a known sin as 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 through 28 teaches us not to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, but let a man or a person examine themselves before taking part. So our hope and prayer is that you would confess and repent before taking part in communion this morning with the body of Christ. If you're joining us, as you know, the communion cups are in the seats in front of you. And let's take a few moments to examine our hearts before the Lord this morning.
we can peel back the first layer. And the word of God says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. (laughs) 